everybody. I wanted to jump on here briefly before the episode started and remind you that I chose to rate this episode explicit. The content I'm choosing to talk about today is about abortion issues. There will be some mention of sexual assault, teenage pregnancy, things like that. So I wanted you to be aware so that you could make your own decision as to who possibly listened with you. Thank you. People, welcome to the first episode of Little Debbie Downer Podcast. I am so excited and thankful you are listening, and I am over the moon appreciative to all of you who reached out and had kind words to say after the intro episode. It means the world to me. As I said in my intro episode last week, I want to keep the podcast rather fluid so important current events could be addressed. In the United States, I don't think there is a more important story going on right now than the likely overturning of Roe v. Wade. For those listening from outside the U.S., I'll give a little glimpse into what I'm talking about in case you don't know. So Roe v. Wade was a court case that resulted in the Supreme Court ruling that a woman's right to make her own medical decisions, including abortion, is protected under the 14th Amendment. But of course, that amendment was very wide and open. You could get an abortion at any time for any reason. It, it was just wide open. So since that decision in 1973, hundreds of state laws have been passed that really restrict access and narrow the scope of that original ruling so we have a variety of states with a variety of rules, some that will not allow abortion under any circumstance, some at 12 weeks, some at 16, some at 20, all these different restrictions in different places. It's rather confusing. Since then, there has been and probably always will be passionate people on both sides of this debate. So for the purpose of the podcast, I'm going to use pro-life as those against abortion, and pro-choice, those against abortion rights being taken away. Personally, I don't think these names clearly portray all that each side stands for, but they are the most commonly used as far as I know. And at least it says pro in it and not anti. I don't like that. I'd rather say pro than anti. <laughs> so I do not feel represented by pro-life or pro-choice. I consider myself pro-child. I find it heartbreaking that some adults are more concerned about a child before they're born than after. I can't even imagine the amount of money thrown at this issue from both sides that could be used for children. It slays me. So I really think that like any um, issue that just polarizes people, I think it all comes down to looking at issues through our own lens, our own experiences, and not that of others. This issue is so divisive that no one is trying to walk in anyone else's shoes. In fact, it's like, I ain't wearing those shoes. I couldn't, uh-uh, mm -mm, there is no walking in shoes in this one. It's a very black and white type of issue, but I'm a pretty gray person. So I feel like I can look at both sides and kind of understand what people are saying 
But if they're not willing to open up and look at what other people are going through and what makes them think the way they do, then we're never going to resolve anything. So I am going to share things that people outside of my family and a few close friends don't know about me. It's not necessarily going to be easy, but the more you put stuff out there, the less things fester in your heart and soul. So if I feel that it's a good reason and I feel that maybe somebody else will understand what I'm saying and look at things a little differently, then it's all worth it to me. So I'll go back a little bit. When I was um, 17, due to personal circumstances with my parents' divorce and stuff like that, um, a few months before I graduated high school, I moved in with my best friend and her family. Um, they didn't live far from where I lived. They were in the same district as the school. And it was just, you know, it was just perfect because I could stay with them, have all the fun I wanted to. The mom was real lenient. And, you know, we got to have guys over. We got to, you know, just have freedom that I didn't have um, with either of my parents. And it was just nice to spend all my time with them. And one day, one evening, we had a couple boys over. One of them was like super cute, same grade as me. I think all of the people that came over were all seniors. And we're just hanging out, listening to music, all that kind of stuff. And um, one of the boys who I thought was just super cute said, hey, you want to come out and help me find a CD? in my car and I'm like gobsmacked like over the moon going oh my god this guy's asking me to like hang out for like two minutes I don't even that's amazing so yes I went out to his car and we sat in there listening to music for a little bit and you know I'm human and we made out a little bit and things like that and then it turned and without getting into details because that's just it it doesn't serve any purpose um I was sexually assaulted um I I left the car ran inside ran upstairs to where I was staying in my friend's bedroom and I just bawled like it was almost panic attack bawling like I couldn't stop myself I kept my head in the pillow because her mom's room was right next door and I was just trying to be quiet trying to be a good girl and um, my friends came up and saw me run upstairs and came in and they're like what's you know what the hell's wrong with you what's the problem you gotta be quiet well then I told them what happened and they're like, you just need to get the hell over it. You're not going to wake my mom up. I mean, who cares? It doesn't matter. You, sh- you were stupid for being a virgin anyway. But I just, it, it was shocking to me, the response I got from my supposed best friend and her sister. And it was all about them not wanting the boys to be kicked out of the house. They didn't want her mom to wake up and end the fun. And so I stayed in that room the entire day or the rest of that night. Um, the 
next day we had to get up and go to school. And although having my virginity taken in that way, and I was so proud because I had really, my friends were rather promiscuous and I was the one, the one holding out, the one who had boyfriends that would break up with me because I wouldn't go far enough. I was that one and it didn't matter. And so I went to school the next morning and of course this boy went to my school and I can get over a lot, but I don't think I'm ever going to get over the, the fact that I was walking through a hallway with like low lockers, like, um, like waist high lockers. And this boy was a, um, basketball player and he was standing on the other side of the lockers with his friend, with a group of friends. Jesus, I'm crying. This is so dumb. I'm sorry. Um, and I walked by and they all looked at me and pointed and laughed and it was the most horrifying experience I think probably of my life and it was that that was more horrifying than the actual assault itself and um yeah I mean I was staying with my friends right and so I I couldn't tell my I couldn't tell any I couldn't tell my parents I don't think I could have told them even if I wanted to tell them because their their thoughts it it's just complicated I just couldn't tell them and so I graduated I moved in with my father. I ignored those friends. And, you know, after we graduated, I never really saw them again. And, um, but it makes me think, what if I had gotten pregnant? Not only was I 17, not only was I sexual, sexually assaulted, I had no parental support. I mean, I'm sure had I even breathed anything about this to my father, he would have taken me immediately to be checked out and get an abortion if I had gotten pregnant. But I guess I need to be thankful because later on I found out that I had polycystic ovarian syndrome and I had issues with my period since I was, you know, 14, 15. And so I guess I can thank those issues for not having to go through that. But rehashing it has made me more empathetic to people who go through that. Do you know how much of that kind of stuff happens? And how many people don't say anything? And they go ahead if they get pregnant and they walk around with this promiscuity label all over them because they're too fearful for whatever reason to say that they were assaulted and now they're pregnant and God forbid they also get an abortion on top of being a whore. It's just, 
you know, you've just got to look through that lens. Sexual assault at any age, of course, is horrible. And on top of it, adding the layer of possibly being a teenager with no job, no skill, bad parents of your own, all this stuff just adds up. So that is one of my lenses that I look at the abortion issue through. I would not have wanted to carry my assaulter's baby. I would not wanted to have raised my baby with my dysfunctional parents. I would not wanted to be pregnant in high school. I would not have wanted to have been pregnant. My life would not be what it is today had I gotten pregnant. And the assault itself led me down a path I never thought I would have had, which will be my next lens. So at 18, um, I became a dispatcher at a police department, at my local police department. Um, and I really hope that one day it would, you know, lead when I was old enough um, to, to be a cop. I wanted to be a cop. And that's something my dad had always wanted to do, and he never did, and he always regretted it. So I had that in the back of my head. And then I had that sexual assault in the back of my head. I didn't think about it then, but I think about it now. And I know that was a way for me to get my power back. No one was going to fuck with me if I was a policewoman. That shit wouldn't have happened to me ever again. I was proving to myself and others how strong I was, even though they didn't know why I was trying to be strong. So anyway, fast forward, I got married at 21. So the assault was at 17. Started with the police department dispatching in 18. Met my husband there. Got married at 21. And boy, once you fall in love, all those times you spent saying, God, I never want to have children. They're so annoying. I don't ever want to get pregnant. I'm going to be, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be a childless the rest of my life. And then you fall in love and you get in married and you're like, oh, I want to have a family. This is too good just to be just you and I. We need to have these kids. So kind of started down that path. And then I figured out that I had a lot of fertility problems. Um, so I started doing fertility treatments. Um, I had to drive an hour away, um, take medicine. I had a surgery. I had to give myself injections, all these things on and off for years. Um, and finally, finally I got pregnant. Now all this time I was going through fertility, I was on the road. I became a cop at 23. Um, and during this time period, I was trying to get pregnant. I mean, I think my partners at, on the job knew my fertility schedule better than I did. I mean, and they thought it was hilarious to tease me and like, hey, aren't you in the middle of your cycle right now? Shouldn't you be home getting it on? You know, it was like the joke of the department. 
And because that's how I am, I'm like, yeah, I'm right there with him joking about it. But every month when the pregnancy test came back negative for years, it was awful. And I know it's the silliest thing in the world, but for so many years, I thought the reason I didn't get pregnant was because I was a bad girl for what happened when I was 17. I thought it was payback. You don't deserve a baby. You, you know, you just all the things, all the things, because I couldn't figure out why I couldn't be a real woman, why I couldn't have a baby. I couldn't, I, I just didn't, it didn't make any sense. And that's the only thing I could land on because it was always in the back of my head. And then finally, at 27, I had my baby. And she was fantastic. She was the most incredible blessing on earth. I found out I was pregnant quite early because of all the fertility stuff. So, I mean, it wasn't even two weeks. I wasn't even two weeks pregnant when I first found out. Um, but all that fertility stuff, you know, it really took a toll. And it, it being on the road, being a police officer, I wasn't your typical you know, write tickets all day. Do I wanted to be part of the community. I um, hung out with the youth, the teenagers. They all like parked in these parking lots and got out and talked and partied and did their little thing. And I would pull up next to them and we'd talk and I'd get to know them and they would know me. And back then they had like CB radios in the police cars too. And so the kids would CB back and forth with each other and um, they gave me their channel. And so they knew I was working night shift or something and they'd get on and they like, Hey lady robo lady. That's what they called me because RoboCop was out back then. And we had these new cars that looked a little spacish. And so I was lady robo. So they would call me and I'd go up and I was helping them with things and trying to keep them in school and trying to help them with their problems at home. And one of the girls I was closest with, um, she was 15. She had a 17 year old boyfriend who was really a piece of crap. And, um, I tried with him, but there, it was, it wasn't going to happen. He had jail written all over him and he did end up in jail and he used to beat her. Um, <clears throat> she lived in a house where she was with her grandma because her mom was in jail. Wasn't the greatest place to be. Went to school sporadically, dated this bad boy who beat her. And then she got pregnant and this is all during the time where I'm trying to get pregnant. And I'm like, what in the hell is going on here? How come I can't get pregnant? And in this situation, this 15-year-old can get pregnant. I mean, I seriously, you know, she said her grandma's making her keep it. And I, in my brain, I ran through it several times that I should go to that grandma and say, I will take this baby when it's born. I mean, it was... It was right up there, um, but it just, it, I, I, it wouldn't have been right. Um, so that's one instance through the lens where here I am on the road and I'm seeing abuse and just things that shouldn't be happening. Then I went, I went to a, an accident, a train hit someone 
and went there and it was an 18 month old child who lives in a house right next to the railroad tracks um, and is used to the sound of the train. Hell, for all I know, he could have been deaf and nobody even knew it. I, I, don't, I don't know. All I know is that he was sitting on the tracks playing with the rocks with his back to the train and the train tried to stop blew its horn which of course the child would be used to and the family would be used to nothing even thought about it and the train hit the boy Um, it wasn't a horrible scene it really just kind of clipped him on the back of the head killed him instantly and knocked him over I don't know what I would have done had it been something just horrific, more horrific than it already was. So I'm devastated, and we don't really know where the boy lives. There is a house right near where he was, but it's not certain. So I thought, okay, we're going to start without a house first, because there's nobody out there. There's nobody except for us that knows that this child has been hit by a train. And we've been out there a while. Nobody's come out looking. So I go to that closest house, knock on the door. There's probably two or three generations of people in there. Grandparents, parents, other grandchildren, whatever. A lot of people. Not a nice house. Stinky, smelly. The people are unkempt, and I ask them about the little boy, and they start running around looking for him, and then they realize the back door was open, and that the gate on the fence hadn't been closed, and they realize it's him. This boy died by a train hitting him, and they had no idea he was gone, and even they could be parents. And I couldn't. I'm telling you, my world, eh, it took me so long before. And I loved trains because my grandpa used to work on the, with the railroads. It took me a long time to even want to drive over those railroad tracks. I would take the long way around if I could. Um, it, it's just, that's what I deal with. I would go into trailers and small homes with children in car seats sitting on the floor while there's dirt and filth and food and bugs all around them. Those people were parents. I was not. I just, you've got kids out there that are dying from failure to thrive. They're not being taken care of. They're not being interacted with. They stop thriving. You've got kids dying from just plain old neglect not being fed what they need to be fed, not being given um, breast milk or formula, and they just die of neglect. Or straight-out manslaughter, when people lose their mind because they weren't meant to be parents in the first place, and they do a horrible act of violence against their child. I'm going to be brutally honest here, and I'm going to tell you all those things I just talked about I would rather have had those kids never born than had to suffer the way they had to suffer. 
I don't, I don't understand it. So that's another lens I'm coming through. So then I get pregnant. I'm over the moon, excited, beyond. You, re- you say the word abortion to me, I would have lost my mind. I am in love with this two-week-old baby. It's probably not even the size of a quarter, if that. And there is no love I've ever felt like it. None. And then further down into my pregnancy, they told me, due to some testing they do, that I never got after that with my other children, but they told me that there was a 50% chance that my firstborn would have Down syndrome. Didn't even think about it. Absolutely not. I don't care if she came out with three heads. I don't care if she came out an alien. That baby was my baby. And I couldn't wait for her to be here no matter what. I would never, I don't care what they told me, never would have considered abortion. Now, those are my lenses. Those are the way I see this issue. Obviously, they're mixed. <laughs> you know, once you're a mom, things things change. And, um, but it doesn't mean the issues change. And it doesn't mean that there aren't more kids every day being abused or dying. And, you know, I, I don't know. Like, if, if I got pregnant now by some hilarious miracle, first of all, the doctor that tied my tubes has some splaining to do. But things would get very grave for me because of my life, things that are going on, a myriad of things. And frankly, none of those are anybody's damn business. It's my body, and I will have to choose what's right for me, my other children, the child I would have. All those things need to be decided. So to me, the quality of the unborn child's life once they're born is most important. I just know what I've seen and experienced on both sides of the issue. And it really just leaves me empathetic to everybody. I guess the bottom line is, if we don't support realistic sex education in home and at school, if we don't support people living in poverty, if we don't give equitable pay, maternity leave, and insurance to women, if we don't realize 13 to 17-year-olds shouldn't have babies, if we don't support survivors of sexual assault without shame and judgment, then we just need to stop arguing and stop forcing women to carry an unwanted pregnancy. It just violates a human right to privacy and autonomy. It's, it's, this is not what America stands for. This is not what we should be. 
I just don't understand why everybody thinks it's somebody else's business. If you are that concerned about what someone that is pregnant is doing and you find out they may get an abortion, you don't go someplace with the picket sign and make people feel more crappy than they already do. How traumatic is it for people to have to make the decision to abort? I don't think people probably understand that. It's not a decision people take lightly. And so instead of going and screaming and doing the picket line and showing disgusting pictures of fetuses, maybe you should adopt children. Maybe you should say, hey, if you carry that baby to term, I will adopt that baby and give it love. Because you're not going to get what you want if you don't do the things that make people safe. If you don't give them the tools to carry a pregnancy to term, they're not going to do it. I mean, let's be realistic. You can get a driver's license at 15 and a half and have to go through all these lessons and take tests and all that kind of stuff. You have to, if you want to adopt an animal, dude, you have to put on an application. You have to send what they're going to live in, what kind of food you're going to feed them, what you're all going to do. You don't do anything to have a child. Can we please turn this around and start thinking about what life after the womb looks like for children because that's the most important part to me and probably a lot of other people so even if we don't agree I hope that we can still be civil and see each other's side of issues that's all I'm asking for Thank you for hanging in with me. I know it's a tough subject. So <laughs> I will leave you with the saying this time of minds are like parachutes. They only function when open, which I think is highly appropriate to this. If you're not open to what other people are going through, we're never going to get through this debate this ongoing thing because I think things around the United States and other places are going to get way more difficult before they get easier so let's do a little bit more talking and a lot less screaming thanks for joining me I really really appreciate it I would love if you shared this with people um, liked, whatever all that stuff is. I just really appreciate you tuning in at all in the first place. I'll see you next Sunday. Thank you.